0: HPPodcraft.com I was far from home, and the spell of the eastern sea was upon me. In the twilight, I heard it pounding on the rocks, and I knew it lay just over the hill where the twisting willows writhed against the clearing sky and the first stars of evening. And because my fathers had called me to the old town beyond, I pushed on through the shallow, new-fallen snow along the road that soared lonely up to where Aldebaran twinkled among the trees, on toward the very ancient town I had never seen, but often dreamed of.
1: That was the opening of the H.P. Lovecraft story, The Festival.
2: And who was that
1: uh, fellow uh, that read that? That was Scott McDonald.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: A fine actor who's yeah, he uh, is. Uh, collaborated with us on a number of things. and a number uh, of projects. Including this, which he just did, yeah, just now.
2: good job. And and by us, you mean... I'm Chad
1: Pfeiffer. Oh, and I'm Chris Lackey. And this is the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast.
2: At hppodcraft.com.
1: The story opens up with a quote by uh, Lactantius. Lactantius? Is that, a, is that a relative of yours, Chris, <laughs> from the distant past?
2: <laughs> yeah, my family used to be the Lactantius.
1: Yes, Americanized it to Lackey yeah. when they came to these shores. Yeah. <laughs> Says demones ut non sunt sectamen quasi sint conspicienda hominibus which means uh, devils work so that things which are not appear to people as if they were real, which I assume means we're going to see some unreal things in this story, wow. some things that we might think are real but actually are not.
2: Right, right. And I just want to give some credit. You know that mm-hmm. translation you just did there was by Kenneth B. Murdoch. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he worked. You worked hard on translating that, Chad, and I think it's, I think you were just going to pretend that you translated that yourself. Uh,
1: actually, I did translate it You did? With Wheelock's Latin grammar, and then I realized that I didn't <laughs> have to do that because it was in the annotated book.
2: It is in the annotated H.P. Lovecraft, The Call of Cthulhu, and Other Stories.
1: But thanks for busting me,
2: nevertheless. That's fine. Uh, well,
1: this is in some ways a, uh, a Christmas story.
2: It is a Christmas story because it takes place during Tide. That's right. Yeah, which is uh, much more ancient mm-hmm. uh, than Christmas. That's right.
0: It was the Yuletide that men call Christmas, though they know in their hearts it is older than Bethlehem and Babylon, older than Memphis and mankind. It was the Yuletide, and I had come at last to the ancient sea town where my people had dwelt and kept festival in the elder time when festival was forbidden, where also they had commanded their sons to keep festival once every century, that the memory of primal secrets might not be forgotten. Mine were an old people, and were old even when this land was settled three hundred years before. And they were strange, because they had come as dark furtive folk from the opiate southern gardens of orchids, and spoken another tongue before they learnt the tongue of the blue-eyed fishers. And now they were scattered, and shared only the rituals and mysteries that none living could understand. I was the only one who came back that night to the old fishing town as legend bade, for only the poor and the lonely remember.
1: Mm. Only the lonely.
2: <laughs>
1: so that's the premise. It's a guy coming home to his family for Christmas.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's not really... <laughs> It's not really his family so much as uh, yeah. it's his people, his right. ancestry. Does he? I don't remember if he actually mentions where he heard about this.
1: Well, it, he just says his fathers have told him that this is something he's supposed right. to do.
2: So. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, he doesn't have a specific, you know, there's also a bit of a call out to the nameless city in there when he talks about it being older than Memphis, mm. which is kind of the same line that he oh, used yeah. when he was talking about that. Yeah, not
1: Memphis, Tennessee.
2: Uh, no, <laughs> even though it is older than Memphis says. <laughs>
1: right. In a way, though, you could. Were you to choose, read this whole story as a metaphor for that experience of going home to see your family for Christmas. Boy, yeah. Because sometimes when you go around the holidays, you know, the extended is around, uh-huh. and maybe you don't know them that well. That's true. And you can catch glimpses of things that are very disturbing. <laughs> and you think, boy, these people are related to me. <laughs> I
2: have some connection to, exactly. to this uh, abhorrent and preternatural gathering Hey, have you ever seen that site
1: AwkwardFamilyPhotos.com? Boy,
2: have I. You know, there's a book that just came out. Oh. That?
1: Yeah, yeah, they just published a, a, a book. That's got some Lovecraftian-looking families <laughs> on that site. Everybody <laughs> should check that out. It makes me laugh. It has nothing to do with Lovecraft. No, Boy, it do I love it. Also, you know, if I were a writer of uh, crossover fan fiction, uh-huh. which I'm not, but uh-huh. I do admire people who write things like Trek to the Future and You're that sort write, of thing, uh-huh. I would do a, a Lovecraft Seinfeld mashup with this story. <laughs> What? The Festivus. <laughs> I can't be the only one who's thought of that.
2: That would be awesome. I think you are, actually. Nah. I think you're the only one who thought of that. You know, Lovecraft also uh, mentions that this place, uh, this town that he's going to is Kingsport. That's right. Which we've seen. We visited that before. We did, and the terrible old man. But this time he really fleshes it out. Yeah.
1: And that is as a result to a visit he had to a town in Massachusetts, right? Called Marblehead.
2: That is correct. And he freaking went. Ape shit for, yeah. for Marblehead. He Love loved it. it. He couldn't get enough of it. He went back, like, I think it said, you know, seven or eight times before he wrote the story. Wow. And And he got really into... Going in the back streets, like supposedly everything he describes, you know, walking down this, like there are parallels to the certain streets. Yeah. He goes into a lot of detail about the
1: town's features. And I think that they do line up with actual town features in Marblehead, which is uh, the reason he liked it so much is because it's a very well-preserved colonial city uh in the 20s. And he was thrilled to feel like he was in the midst of another time.
2: Right. Absolutely.
1: Sort of like when I'm in Tomorrowland at Disneyland.
2: What? What I feel
1: as if I'm in the 50s,
2: (laughs) imagining what the future would be like. Well, you know, you haven't been to Disneyland in a while. No, I haven't. Did they do... They redid it. It's all like 1890s future. Oh, it's like steampunk? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's been like that for 10 years now. Oh, okay. Maybe even longer. Wow. Where have you been? Not at Disneyland. Not at Disneyland. (laughs) I've been at the
1: saddest place on earth. Lovecraft's mine.
2: (laughs) uh, No, no. He talks about um, the route taken by the narrator probably led... Uh, in the actual town of Marblehead, along Elm Street to its junction at Green uh, Street, down to uh, Mugford Street, the extension of Green to Washington Street, at the heart of the old part of town, the Market House presumably refers to the old townhouse on Washington Street.
1: So it really is. Uh, yeah, he's
2: hardcore about this. Yeah, uh, about this this place. And well, it kind of makes it. me want to visit. I, me too, absolutely. Yeah. After I read all this stuff, I'm I, I want to go and find the creepy people yeah
1: I, well i like how he says that there were mazes of uh, colonial houses piled and scattered at all angles and levels like a child's disordered blocks
2: yeah I like that i thought that was
1: a cool line of description he also he talks about the gambrel roofs he really loves gambrel roofs those and he can't get enough on. of that yeah. stuff and
2: that's that's colonial that's
0: like 1600s yeah i don't uh, think they make those anymore 1650s or anything like that another fun detail in one of these paragraphs beside the road at its crest a still higher summit rose bleak and windswept And I saw that it was a burying ground where black gravestones stuck ghoulishly through the snow like the decayed fingernails of a gigantic corpse. The printless road was very lonely, and sometimes I thought I heard a distant horrible creaking as of a gibbet in the wind. They had hanged four kinsmen of mine for witchcraft in 1692, but I did not know just where. So Kingsport had its own
1: witchcraft trials yeah, in 1692, uh-huh. sweeping the country.
2: Yeah, or, you know, I, and I, it could be that Kingsport might have been just also an amalgam of Salem. Right. You know, like he's taking Salem and, and uh, Marblehead and kind of mushing them together.
1: Yeah. Now, as our protagonist goes down the road into Kingsport, uh, he expects to hear some kind of Whoville kind of Christmas merriment. You right, know? yeah, but it's really quiet. Yeah. So he thinks, well, maybe they're spending their time in silent prayer as, as Puritans.
2: Right, right. there's a Puritanical origins that maybe there's still uh, Puritanical yeah. practices. Even though the Puritans didn't celebrate Christmas or no, Easter. No, they didn't. Yeah.
1: They didn't like that kind of stuff. But he, he studied maps of Kingsport, so he knows how to find the home where his people live. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's also been told that they'll know him when he shows up. So right. he walks all the way through the town and, and he arrives at his house. Or this house, mm-hmm. and uh, he knocks on the door. A little, a little, starting to get a little trepidatious.
2: Right. A little anticipation. He's so nervous, yeah.
1: And an old man opens the door.
2: Yeah, and he says, he says uh, that he doesn't hear any footsteps. Yeah. Like to the door, like the guy was just standing right at the door, just waiting. And then <laughs> right. when he knocks on the door. He just opens. Or the door. he
1: floated over there like a vampire. All right, or yeah, like yeah. That. And and this old man has a gown and and slippers and a very bland face. Uh-huh. He makes signs that he can't speak, that he's dumb, and so he Communicates using a stylus and a wax tablet, right? Yeah, which made me think of those old things you get at the supermarket. You know, that you'd have a little stick you could write on it, and then you'd peel the wax paper back to erase it and then smooth it down oh, right. again. Yeah, you remember yeah, those? Yeah, I, remember I those. loved those. So, I imagine he had that hanging around his neck. You know, <laughs> they always had like a, a cartoon on it, yeah, it be like Scooby Doo do yeah, exactly. across the Bugs Bunny.
2: <laughs> it had nothing to do with whatever it was that you're drawing, it right. was just a marketing
1: um so he he comes in and, and there's a bent old woman in there silently mm-hmm. spinning, which I assume they mean is sewing.
2: So yeah, like uh, uh, taking wool and putting it into threads or yarn or whatever. She's not in spin class. She's not <laughs> in spin class. No, I
1: um, don't think so. And the old man
2: writes for him like, hey, chill out, relax. Yeah, so let's, you know, maybe you should read a good book. We got yeah. some books sitting over here. Some light reading. One of the books? Oh yeah. The Necronomicon. Of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course, just has
2: that saying out there for guests to read. And this is the one that was translated by uh, Olus Wormus. Good old, old worm. Olus
1: Wormus. Now, he was... I hope that's a real person, because if Lovecraft made that up, that is the lamest sounding made-up name ever.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a made-up name, so I just assumed it. But But in a little research, yeah, it's a real guy. He was a Danish philosopher. He was called Old Worm. But okay. but that's the Latin, Latinizing Old Worm is Olus That's like his,
1: his street name, Old Worm.
2: Yeah, he was a... a a philologist and a historian mm-hmm. lovecraft thought he was he made a mistake and thought he was 13th century oh mr lovecraft <laughs> so wrong <laughs> mr worm 1588 to 1654
1: okay so but we, he he made a latin translation of the, the of un- the necronomicon yeah the unmentionable necronomicon the unmentionable even mentioned in here a couple we, of times. yeah he mentioned it one thing about that guy though the guy that let him in is um he starts to suspect that his face is so bland-looking that he's wearing a mask.
2: Yeah, it's not a, It's not really... It's a wax face. Because yeah. he realizes it doesn't move at all. Right. Yeah.
1: And he's got gloves on what he describes as his flabby hands. Yeah. So, something weird under the surface there. Something
2: weird's going on. So, he's extra creeped out right now. He's sitting in this room. This woman is sitting over there spinning. Mm-hmm. The creepy dude is just sitting down next to him. Then he... Um... He
1: decides to go ahead and do the light reading. Yeah, he's going to do some light reading. Yeah. One thing he, I think that was funny that he said is... Uh, he says, you know, my father's told me to expect weird things, so... I guess I'll just get into some weird stuff. I'm here. (laughs) I might as well read the, the Necronomicon. Yeah, why not? It's sort of like, um, I went on a vacation in the Caribbean once and, uh, Everybody was going to the spa, which is something I would never do. But right. I was like, hey, th- this is what people do when they're on vacation, right? So I went and I got a pedicure. <laughs> just,
2: I did. You've I, never told me this yeah, before. I
1: thought, well, you know, I'll get a pedicure. And so, which I've never done before. I probably would never do again because it, huh. it was just kind of weird. Uh-huh. But I'm doing it. And then they brought over the drawer of magazines, you know, for dudes. And I'm thinking, oh, good! And I open it up, and it's stuff. It's like Sports Illustrated, Car and oh, Driver. Right. But I was like, you know what? I'm on vacation. I read a whole issue of Car and Driver while the woman
2: gave me a pedicure. A whole issue? It's just like this, you know. He picked oh yeah, the economic kind. It concepts. is. It's just like that, yeah. exactly. He's just getting into it. <laughs> you know?
1: He uh, so, well, he, he gets absorbed in something he's reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Economic. And in a in a few moments, the mm-hmm. the old dude goes over to the chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and opens it up. Get yep, the t- clock strikes eleven. Eleven, yeah. exactly. The old guy gets up, puts on puts on a robe, gives a, the old lady a rope. She finally quits spinning. Yeah. yeah. And then he it's motions... like his cultist hope chest. <laughs> 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 and then he uh, motions for um, our protagonist to, to you know come on, we're, yeah. we're, we're it's time to go. We're hoofing it. It's time to go. He grabs the Necronomicon
1: and takes it with him. Oh, he does. This is not just for coffee table.
2: No, 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 no.
1: Uh, and they trail out into the old networks of the winding Kingsport roads. And uh, when they leave the house, the two hooded figures and our guy, they see that there's other cloaked figures that are pouring
0: out from all the other
2: buildings. Yeah. Um, And they have lanterns.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But they're totally silent. Very quiet. Yeah. Amid these hushed throngs, I followed my voiceless guides, jostled by elbows that seemed preternaturally soft and pressed by chests and stomachs that seemed abnormally pulpy, but seeing never a face and hearing never a word. Up. Up, up, the eerie columns slithered, and and I saw that all the travelers were converging as they flowed near a sort of focus of crazy alleys at the top of a high hill in the center of the town, where perched a great white church. I had seen it from the road's crest when I looked at Kingsport in the new dusk, and it had made me shiver, because Aldebaran had seemed to balance itself a moment on the ghostly spire." I love the image of the, uh, the constellation um, balancing itself on the top of
1: the church in a way. It's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, this, uh, it's, they think that this church, well, Joshi specifically, thinks that mm. this church was either the first meeting house, which was built in 1648, or the second congregational church, which was built in 1715. In Marblehead. In Marblehead. Okay. Yeah. Or it might be a fusion of the two. But they're supposedly they, kind of, they look very similar to, uh, to what, what Lovecraft's describing here. So anyway, they go into the church. Yeah, well, there's an open
1: space around the church, uh, and there's little fires over the tombs, you know, in the churchyard, and the the fires don't cast any shadow. So it's yet another weird thing, you know, we didn't hear the guy walking around inside, we don't see any shadow Uh from the flames. He waits till everybody goes into the church, he
2: wants to be the last guy The last one, yeah, and the old guy kind of pulls at him, just Mm -hmm. like, come on, let's get inside, and he's just like, hold up, I want to be the last one in.
1: And when he goes in, we've got another thing where he looks back. No
2: footprints no in footprints. the snow. What? And it gives us a clue to the identity of, of these these cultists. They're ninjas. <laughs> Either that, or uh, they are elves from Lord of the Rings. Because if you remember, Legolas didn't leave footprints in the snow. Really?
1: There's there's so many interpretations. I know. Actually, they, there's two. They're ninjas or <laughs> they're elves.
2: Or no, number three, you're <laughs> not even thinking of this. What? Ninja elves. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: These little clues do lead back to that quote that opened the story, the devil making things appear real that are not really real. Right. Uh, so they go into the church. He finally goes in after the old man. Uh, most of the people who have
0: gone in, though, they're not all inside. Most of them have actually vanished. Yeah, they're not in there. They had streamed up the aisle between the high white pews to the trapdoor of the vaults, which yawned loathsomely open just before the pulpit, and were now squirming noiselessly in. I followed, dumbly, down the foot-worn steps and into the dank, suffocating crypt.
2: Yeah, there's like a little secret passageway, a little trap door yeah. that leads down into these secret underground catacombs.
1: Yeah, nobody make, making a noise. They just all kind of all squirm really down quiet. there in their robes. And he goes after them. Uh-huh. And they go down, down, down.
2: And down. down. Uh, into the mountain.
1: Yeah. And after, yeah, he says after eons of descent, as they're going down, he starts to see these side passages or burrows, mm-hmm. which are leading away. He says they, they become excessively numerous, like impious catacombs of nameless menace. Right, uh-huh. Uh, so there's these, I don't know what those are, but right. that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. And uh And this is why I don't go to church. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you
1: know? Because I'm always afraid something like that's going to happen.
2: Oh, boy.
0: Then I saw the lurid shimmering of pale light and heard the insidious lapping of sunless waters. Again, I shivered. For I did not like the things that the night had brought, and wished bitterly that no forefather had summoned me to this primal rite. As the steps in the passage grew broader, I heard another sound, the thin, whining mockery of a feeble flute. And suddenly there spread out before me the boundless vista of an inner world, a vast, fungus shore litten by a belching column of sick, greenish flame, And washed by a wide oily river that flowed from abysses frightful and unsuspected to join the blackest gulfs of immemorial ocean. Yet another subterranean, yeah, like a big
2: cavern space. You know, there's all this fun. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Rats in the Walls. Yeah, but this one's got amenities. There's an oily river. (laughs) It sure does a really creepy, disgusting oily, oily river that comes out of one of the caverns and yeah. then goes, you know, out uh, into the ocean. Ugh. And there's a flute player.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, somebody's uh, rocking out, probably a little right. jazz flute. I'm thinking. Yeah.
1: What? What is it? he's obsessed with flute playing?
2: Well, I mean, this is again, uh, you know, ties into the whole asathoth You know, yeah. uh, Niralathotep and the and rats in the walls. You know, idiot god and the flute mm-hmm. player keeping them busy and stuff. It's more more of that stuff.
1: I suppose that flutes are kind of the more primal instrument you can make, because they really are just a tube with some holes in it that you control air through to make different noises. I mean, people have been making flutes forever, I reckon, so maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's why. He also seems to have something against vegetables, because he always talks about overripe, overripe disgusting <laughs> veggies. Um, so the people start doing their ancient, horrible rite. Right. You know, they, they worship at some fire, they throw some vegetables into the water. Uh, and he starts to hear some kind of fluttering off in the distance, which is not good. The old man comes to the front of the group, mm-hmm. and he starts doing all sorts of things, and everybody follows. And I like that our guy does too.
2: Well, there's this big thing of this green, flamed, yeah, uh, pillar, right. That doesn't cast any shadows. Yes, you know, and everybody, and no heat. Right. You know, it's just this really creepy green flame, and, every, and that's part of the ritual. It's right. like kind of the center of it.
1: It's very bizarre scene. I went, my older brother's Catholic, and I'm not, but I went to Catholic Mass with him once and uh-huh. I felt like this because everybody was doing their genuflecting and jumping up and down and going, uh-huh. I didn't know what was going on, but I right, was like yeah. trying to keep up with it so that uh-huh. nobody knew, you know? <laughs> I failed miserably. <laughs> so uh, the old man signals to that half-seen flute player. Right,
2: and he changes the beat. Some stuff. Right, he, yeah.
0: he switches to a new chart, <laughs> and then some crazy stuff happens. Out of the unimaginable blackness, beyond the gangrenous glare of that cold flame, Out of the Tartarian leagues through which that oily river rolled uncanny, unheard, and unsuspected, there flopped rhythmically a horde of tame, trained, hybrid-winged things that no sound eye could ever wholly grasp or sound brain ever wholly remember. They were not altogether crows, nor moles, nor buzzards, nor ants, nor vampire bats nor decomposed human beings, but something I cannot and must not recall. They flopped limply along, half with their webbed feet and half with their membranous wings, and as they reached the throng of celebrants, the cowled figures seized and mounted them and rode off one by one along the reaches of that unlighted river, into pits and galleries of panic where... Poison springs feed frightful and undiscoverable cataracts. What? <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Like that this is, is crazy.
2: Is, this is crazy. Well, I mean, this description, for, for me, when I read this, I recognized that it is the biaki. You know, it's a description that they use in uh-huh. the or biaki in the uh, Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Is when I first c- came across this. Okay. But doing a little research, uh, Lovecraft didn't. That's I think it's uh, August Derleth. That, that's called it a Bayaki. Like, they called these things that, they called that gave these, them a name? Yeah. Because he used them again and they were the same you know, business. The he, Same description and okay. people climbed on their backs and, and flew off on them.
1: Well, if I was going to repurpose these monsters I suppose I would give them a name too because it would be <laughs> difficult to say well, then the Chromo buzzardant Vampire Bad Zombies came in. <laughs> <laughs> they're over, uh, and over
2: pretty i mean this is a this is an insane yeah. scene, like these it monsters is. come flying in, and then people just get on their backs and they fly down the tunnel, yeah, like down where the river is it's like what the hell is going on
1: yeah the the also the the monsters they uh they flopped rhythmically, <laughs> which ugh, something about them flopping around i don't know there's this is, it's this is like the worst Christmas ever. <laughs> <laughs> So but yeah as you say everybody hauls out on the things um except two of them you know they wait around and they're waiting for our guy and the, and the old, old man. man yeah
2: and the old man's just like come on let's go
1: yeah let's he says, says and and our guys, he doesn't want to and like, he's like no look way. This is I'm too the much. deputy of your ancestors so mm-hmm. here's a ring here's a watch that have the family seal look at look at the resemblance in my yeah my waxy I look face. just like him yeah uh, and this has a chilling effect on our guy because he sees the ring and the watch and he realizes they were buried with his great-great-great-great-grandfather uh-huh. in 1698.
2: Yep. So either this guy is doing some grave robbing yeah. or
1: he's... <laughs> or he's the grandfather. Or he's guy, the grandfather. Sure.
2: Who, I, yeah, who
1: knows? So those things that are waiting for him, the two little beasts, are getting impatient.
2: Right. And the, the guy, the old man goes over to, you know, try to calm him down and get him under control. Mm-hmm. And then when he does, his mask dislodges and our, our narrator sees something. Yeah. And
0: then he just flips out and jumps into the river. Right. And then, because that nightmare's position barred me from the stone staircase down which we had come, I flung myself into the oily underground river that bubbled somewhere to the caves of the sea flung myself into that putrescent juice of Earth's inner horrors before the madness of my screams could bring down upon me all the charnel legions these pest gulfs might conceal. (laughs) Putrescent juice. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So yeah, whatever it was, it freaked him out so bad that he decided to jump in that freezing, cold, disgusting, putrid water. Dive for it. And then he wakes up in a hospital. He does. Not um, unlike last week in The inavable. Oh Right, exactly. Well, that's what happens, you know.
1: Lovecraft protagonists remind me of, like, when I was in grade school and we played tackle football, there was always that kid who would tackle himself before you could get him. You know? <laughs> right. He's just so scared of the actual. Yeah, opponent. that was me. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, they, they found him half frozen in the harbor at dawn. Yeah. hmm um, and uh they tell him, Well, you had taken the wrong fork in a hill road and you you'd fallen over a cliff. That's uh-huh. what happened to you. Yeah. And when he looks out of his hospital room, everything seems a lot more modern in the city than uh-huh. he remembered it. As
2: he mentioned he didn't see any wires for the, for the, uh, for yeah. the trains and the, the trolleys and now, all that's that. That's right.
1: Stuff. In Arkham, they told him there was a trolley, but he's like... He's
2: oh. like, oh, there was no trolley here. What are these yeah. guys talking about?
1: But, but they do tell him he's near the church, Yeah, which flips him out. <laughs> so they move him to St. Mary's Hospital back in Arkham. In Arkham, maybe. which
2: has got a... It's kind of a better hospital. A it is more. a better
1: hospital. Yeah. The, the doctors in that hospital have some curious practices when they treat their patients with psychosis.
2: Yeah, this is a strange thing. He... Uh, uh, he goes, you know, the, and this, there was this book, this Necronomicon. And they go, hey, oh, you know, we got a copy of that over yeah. at the library. Over at Miskatonic Library. Miskatonic Library. You know what? To help you get over your psychosis, we'll go get that book for you. Yeah, what are they talking about? <laughs> so they, they go over to, ne- to
1: Miskatonic, they get the copy of the Necronomicon out of the library, and they bring it to the, the psychotic patient.
2: Yeah, which is probably the last thing you should do. But, yeah, um, really bad idea. But uh, It kind of works out for him, though.
1: It because works out in a way, yeah.
2: Because he looks at it and he goes, yes, this is the book I saw. This is mm-hmm. the exact same thing. And he remembered, you know, everything he, you know, fine for it. Because
1: there was a certain passage in there that he'd read before. Uh-huh. And he remembers it. Yep. Which means that he, that all really happened. And
0: the passage says. The nevermost caverns, wrote the mad Arab, are not for the fathoming of eyes that see. For their marvels are strange and terrific cursed the ground where dead thoughts live new and oddly bodied, and evil the mind that is held by no head. Wisely did Ibn Shakabao say, that happy is the tomb where no wizard hath lain, and happy the town at night, whose wizards are all ashes. For it is of old rumor that the soul of the devil bought hastes not from this charnel clay, but fats and instructs the very worm that gnaws, till out of corruption horrid life springs and the dull scavengers of Earth wax crafty to vex it and swell monstrous to plague it. Great holes secretly are digged where Earth's pores ought to suffice, and things have learnt to walk that ought to crawl.
2: That's the end of the story.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, it's, uh... I, I don't quite understand. I mean, you know, I've read this a few times over, and I'm still not exactly sure what, what it is. I mean, I think basically the dead sorcerers the worms and the creatures and things eat them up and their consciousness somehow yeah. turns these worms into people or worm creature people Yeah. or some something. that's what I
1: imagine that these giant burrowing holes in the ground are for giant wormy things to kind of careen around in. right yeah 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 then I, there's the or, or maybe fly around in on these creatures and yeah I mean it says the wizards fat and instruct the very worms that gnaw at them
2: right No. well yeah it's not made from the clay but it's made from fat and then the the devil or whomever instructs the worms to eat the fat
1: yeah well no they they fat the worms up on their own bodies and then they kind of because of that they're able to to instruct them and that corruption gives I, I don't know man I yeah. think that they're from the way that he describes the fleshiness and the preternaturally softness right. and stuff I imagine that they're all these worm people with wax masks on and
2: yeah uh, which is really gross and creepy and, it's and awesome. cool
1: yeah it's really cool. Good job,
2: Lovecraft. That's what I say. <laughs> but this is a good story. I mean, I was I was into it. And normally, a lot of the the you know the descriptive, flowery stuff sometimes turns me off. But I was really into it in this story.
1: Yeah, I, you know I didn't think it was too overdone. No. He, he didn't have a ton of uh, gothy language in here. I mean, you could tell that he's really interested in the architecture of the town. When it was sort of like music of Eric Zahn where he described the the hill where. Uh, where their apartment complex was. <laughs> apartment complex. Where his building was, you know, in, in Music of Eric Zahn had that oh, right. same mm-hmm. kind of rich architectural description that really conjures up this town from out of space, out of time.
2: Out of space, out of time. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. It's well, it was written in October of uh, 23, 1923, but it wasn't published until 1925, uh, January, Weird Tales. One of the interesting things about this is Lovecraft mentions that there was a book that kind of inspired him. It was um, Miss Murray's the witch cult of Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Now, this book was kind of a big deal. A lot of people have sort of debunked it, but it made kind of a big splash at the time. Is in Miss Murray's um, theory was that witchcraft and goddess worship and paganism there weren't just random things, but they were all connected. They were like you can follow it back to mm-hmm. before Greece, you know, mm-hmm. before ancient Greece, and like you know, and Isis worship and and Hera worship, and they were all. The same thing and they just got changed they all come from the hmm. same source and she used a lot of the words that are now used in common wiccan practices you know things like um the coven and espat and the wiccan wheel of the year and the horned uh uh Godair. you mm-hmm. know like all these things and she wrote this um
1: i've heard all those words because my other brother's wiccan so when i went to his no I'm, that's not true <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um, there was this guy Gerald uh, Gardner who, in the nineteen fifties, publicized Wiccan and said it was like this ancient religion. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. When she was writing about that, mm-hmm. it's it's this. This is the gotcha. true religion that all those other things are based off of. Right. And the guy was just st- taking her stuff and then saying that it was older <laughs> and then mm-hmm. using all these words and these practices. So modern Wiccan uh, Wicca really has a lot to do with this uh, Gardner guy Gerald Gardner and Miss Murray.
1: So. People who are Wiccan are actually worm people.
2: No, okay. that's you got that all wrong. Uh, but Lovecraft got inspired by this <laughs> because I'm a good listener. He uh, <laughs> Lovecraft got inspired by this because the idea of you know this old old religion that all yeah. these other religions are you know mimicking you know got him thinking, and that's what this is kind of about.
1: Okay, no, it's so, it's pretty neat. Yeah, I think
2: it's totally cool. Here you go.
1: I really liked the festival. It's that last paragraph that really gets me, you know. It yeah. really um, this time when I read it, read that excerpt, which this is the fr- I, this might be the only time, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it's definitely the first time that an actual quote from the Necronomicon was used in one of Lovecraft's stories.
2: Yeah, he quotes it other
1: than the "That yeah. which is dead that may eternal lie," but the this is like a whole section of the text from
2: it. Yeah, and then well, Lovecraft writes the thing. Uh, his next, the Necronomicon, the, uh, history, of the Necronomicon. Uh, history of the Necronomicon. That's got plenty of stuff from it.
1: I would have thought that. Um, It was a much more valuable book and difficult to lay hands on than it it seems in the story. It's like everybody's got a copy of it on their bedside table. (laughs) Well, it's a bit twice. But, I mean, it really is crazy that they went and got it from the library.
2: Yeah, it just (laughs) seems like a really bad idea. Nuts. Nuts. Well, uh, what are we doing next week? Next week, uh, we are doing Under the Pyramids, uh, which was... Originally called Entombed with the Pharaohs. Entombed with the Pharaohs. are yeah, imprisoned with the Pharaohs. Imprisoned with the Pharaohs. Imprisoned with the Pharaohs yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. When I read it, it was called Imprisoned with the Pharaohs. Yeah. So and I don't know what the story of that title change is, but we'll probably get it. Well, the this.
2: protagonist of that story is Mr. Harry Houdini. That's
1: right. He ghost wrote that one for. Which is
2: pretty exciting. And we're having our, our guest host is coming back. Andrew yeah. Lehman will be with us next week. so It's going to
1: be pulpy sweet. It will be
2: delicious. I don't know if you know about Hulu. No, I don't want to advertise or the anything site, here. The site, Hulu.com. Yeah, Hulu.com. H-U-L-U.com. I do. Com. That's how I watch my television. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, but they've got a lot of old stuff on there, and they have the old night galleries. Yeah. And there are two Lovecraft adaptations uh, on the night gallery. Oh. Um, and a third one, which has got Karl Reiner in it, it's called The, the Last... The Last Lecture. The Last Lecture of mm. Mr. P- Professor Peabody. Oh,
1: okay. And, um, I've seen that one. Yeah.
2: It's pretty cool. It's yeah. like basically he just gets the Necronomicon mm. and he says, this thing this is all a bunch of hokum. It's ridiculous. And he reads from the Necronomicon. And then the whole class kind of, you, you see their reaction after he's done reading it. And uh-huh. they look back and he's turned into this like horrible, like weird monster yeah. thing. He's like
1: a spaghetti monster.
2: He's like a spaghetti monster. Yeah. And then he just goes, class dismissed. And that's like the whole end of it. It's really weird. I haven't watched Cold Air yet, but I did watch uh, Pikmin's Model, which cool is Air. another one. Or oh, Cool Air, cool yeah, Air, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I have watched Pikmin's Model, yeah. and uh, is it good? Well, it's <laughs> definitely interesting, and it was a little creepy at points. But the costumes are really crappy looking, yeah, and it's really overly lit, like hmm. everything's really bright, right? But it's sort—it's of, sort of interesting. They put a female character in there, obviously, because you know. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta have a, a woman in there, it, it, you know. You want a sausage fest, and uh, it was kind of creepy. And there was all this kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the hints of the ghouls and all that stuff. But then the ghoul actually shows up, and it's like one of the worst costumes ever. And it's just this monster that's grabbing the guys. But then the end of it was kind of scary. Really? Yeah, it was oh, pretty okay.
1: creepy. Go watch it.
2: So I would recommend everybody go. It's free. Hulu's free. Go check it out. Enjoy some <laughs> night gallery. I'm
1: still laughing. At you. <laughs> The work of Lovecraft is, is indeed a sausage fest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should be a critical, uh, critical essay. I'm gonna
2: write a critical essay called "Lovecraft: The Sausage Fest Maker." <laughs> <laughs> look, look out for it, folks.
0: HpPodcraft.com.